0: Welcome to Doing Virtue. I'm Anthony Christ. Today I have Brian Hicks in the house. Uh, Mark is absent. We have a guest of honor today, Dr. Wunsch. Brian, do you want to go ahead and give Dr. Wunsch his little
1: intro? Sure. So he received an undergraduate degree from Regis University in Denver. Um, He then pursued graduate studies at the Angelicum in Rome, where he uh, had... Received a licentiate and a doctorate in philosophy. Um, And then he is teaching philosophy at Christendom. And along with that, he travels the country lecturing on philosophy, St. Thomas Aquinas, and faith and reason. Thanks for being on.
2: I am happy to be here. I really look forward to our conversation.
0: This is the first morning episode that we've done. So uh, instead of having a heavier beverage, we are drinking (laughs) cappuccinos. Uh, I'm going to give a little bit of an origin story about the cappuccino before we get into the topic of today. So for anyone who doesn't know what a cappuccino is, it's a blend of espresso and steamed foam, uh, steamed milk foam. Um, it's, it's origins go back to about the 16th century. Uh, although it's debatable about how far back it actually does go. Um, the Capuchin order was founded in 1525 by Matteo Bassi. And it's an offspring of the Franciscan movement dedicated to, uh, rediscovering values of poverty and simplicity. The Capuchins chose a simple brown hooded, uh, Robe with a white cord, and it seems that legends say (laughs) that the local children would call them cappuccini uh, to mock their hoods. And it seems that, uh, among other things, uh, that turned into the drink being equivocated with that. Um, And it seems that shortly after, Viennese coffee shops began to make a coffee called capuzine, and both. Contributed to what we have today as the modern cappuccino. Um, there's probably many other stories and many other different uh, ways to describe how the cappuccino came about. But it is one of the most famous coffee drinks and one of the most simple to make um, in Italy primarily is where they'll you can get a really good one. But locally, we also have some good coffee shops uh, do you have any thoughts on cappuccinos, Dr. Watch? I, I do have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We might not actually get to the real topic today. Yeah, so
2: I'm going to refrain from kind of letting loose on the topic. I actually was invited to a local coffee shop uh, to discuss philosophy and coffee. Uh, so I've done that before. You mentioned, I'll just throw a, a couple of fun things out there. So you, you guys typically have uh, alcoholic beverages with your evening performances, uh, and then a cappuccino. Now with the, your your early performances uh, in Vienna, actually Vienna, actually in, in uh, Venice, uh, they have something called the caffè corretto, and and so it's typical. In fact, you all often have to order it, uh, and that's that's a, an espresso with uh, grappa, which is an alcohol, mm-hmm. and and even if you order just a standard kind of espresso, a standard you know un café, they will serve it often with grappa, okay? And, and so, so the Italians actually have a tradition of mixing those two uh, together, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, huge fan, huge fan of coffee. I, I think uh, I might even find a way to weave, okay, and, and I will weave into our discussion of virtue, uh, a, a distinction related to, uh, you know, the, the making the right uh, kind of espresso shot. Okay. Because just as virtues a mean. Uh, just mm. as a uh, you, know, you, you need to find. Right. right. <laughs> uh, you you, know, you over extract your espresso shots, right? You get a <laughs> right. sour shot. Yes. Right? You no, under extract your espresso; it becomes too <laughs> bitter. Uh, and to find the excellence of, of the right shot, you, you, you find it in a mean, you know, that's and, good. and that's similar to virtue. That's sweet. so. So I'll just leave it that. Yeah, no, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah.
1: So I mean. I mean, we could even start there if you want. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to just yeah. kind of talk about, I guess, because yeah. um, yeah. my understanding is you, yeah. you're a convert, or not, maybe not a convert, but a, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, if you want to talk a little bit about that and then how you kind of got to yeah. the Angelicum and then kind of...
2: Yeah, kinda. Yeah, well, yeah. so yeah, just starting kind of with the background. So I, I, I come from Boulder, Colorado, so we call it the People's Republic of Boulder. Uh, it's <laughs> a fascinating place. I think mean, they have one of the only like, Buddhist seminaries in America. It's the least obese city in the least obese state. Uh, It's where people kayak to work on every street. Someone's running, someone's bicycling. A lot of famous world-class athletes train there, mostly cyclists and runners, uh, because the altitude and the culture. So it's fascinating from from an athletics perspective, from a culinary perspective. I think it's rated uh, among cities of around 100,000 to be one of the the meccas of, of the culinary arts in America. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's the highest per capita amount of people with terminal degrees or doctoral degrees live in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, and then it's also of a certain political persuasion that, that <laughs> tends on, on the, the extreme kind of left side. Right. Uh, and yet, you know, there's a, a lot of priests who have come from there. Uh, there's a lot of very strong Catholic community. Uh, the kind of Newman Center at the University of Colorado Boulder, uh, a friend of mine is pastor there, Father Peter Musset. Give him a little shout out. Uh, yeah, is yeah has been really successful in in bringing in major speakers and debates. Uh, they have a focus community, and you know, thousands of people go to mass and, and are involved in in Catholic works there, and have gone on to become missionaries. Gone on to to. Uh, Uh, Become women and male religious or priests Uh, so so it's just a fascinating place. That's where I'm from uh, And uh, but I had to kind of hop the the wall and get out actually to to fully kind of become Catholic (laughs) So I I actually pursued uh, theater uh, and I was doing theater um, at the University of uh, uh, Northern Colorado for a while Uh, and and it was during that and after an encounter actually with a Catholic gal that I dated you know kind of uh, challenged me in certain ways uh, and then being separated from her, uh, you know, kind of uh, an alone and lonely as a college freshman is, I kind of began asking those deep questions. Mm-hmm. And and eventually, long story short, there's this kind of a lot of uh, kind of fascinating events that transpired, but I, I came into the church my freshman year of college. Uh, and after that, it was was motivated, you know, I, I had a kind of a Franciscan, a kind of St. Francis-esque conversion, you know, I, I through all my Belongings on the steps of the church, and at that time I had an ear pierced, and I took out the earring, and 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 had kind of a, a, a kind of a radical, kind of embraced kind of poverty and 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 a life of asceticism, sure. and and that you know, led me to pursue holiness, you know. And at the time, you know, kind of in a little bit of a naive way, and thought the only way to do that is to be to be a priest, uh, and so I explored that, and I was a seminarian for a couple of years, and and had a fantastic time. Two and a half years, finished my. Uh, degree at the seminary in denver uh, uh saint john Vianney seminary and then at the end of that time before moving into the the, the, the theology training i discerned i didn't have a vocation left that and, and i finished my coursework uh, at regis university a Jesuit school in denver okay. uh, and uh and then uh found my wife got married and uh and i want to pursue graduate studies and i want to do it i i've always been very close with uh the thought of St. Thomas Aquinas, and I love the Dominicans, so I went to Rome, uh, and so I had some facility with languages. I, I you know, I grew up learning Spanish. I spent time in Mexico working in the missionaries of charity, and I have family in Mexico, and. And so, yeah, I knew Spanish pretty well, and then you know, I learned Italian and did my graduate studies in Italian, uh, and and studied there at Pontifical University Saint Thomas Aquinas, the Angelicum, mm-hmm. uh, and we, my wife and I spent our first five years of marriage there. Uh, my wife worked for the Vatican Radio, uh, she worked Vatican, I'm sorry, Vatican newspaper, Elizabeth Romano, in the English edition. Uh, we had a fascinating life. My first daughter spent her first year out there. Uh, since then, we've had I've been blessed with uh, you know three more kids uh, out here. That, uh, and yeah, and I, and I started working out there for Christendom, so mm-hmm. uh, so the last two years I was in Rome, uh, they needed someone an English speaker to teach philosophy uh, and I, I I just didn't know much about christendom, yeah you know, they, they just people would say that it's this um, place, you know, kind of in the backwoods where everyone dresses like it's Little House in the Prairie. All right. <laughs> and, you know, but, but obviously it has this reputation of a good Catholic school. And I found that, that that's very much the case, uh, and, and, and people didn't dress like it was Little House in the Prairie. In fact, I, I found, you know, the students have an eclectic variety of talents and interests and, uh, you know, and in other words, they're like college students almost everywhere, just a, right. a little bit more pious and a little mm-hmm. bit more studious. And I, and I really, you know, fell in love with the, the students. And then fortuitously for me, and this is 2005, I started working through 2007, I, I, I taught uh, in Rome. Uh, and then when I finished up my coursework for the doctorate, I, I came back here and have been here ever since. So I've been here now 16 years, yeah. Wow, so it's so on the main campus, taught everything you know in our core and have some electives that I've been teaching. As well, uh, you know, collecting a variety of things. So, yeah, but I've been here ever since and, and very, very happy, you know, teaching philosophy at Christendom College. That's awesome. Yeah.
3: How
0: many different courses have you yeah. taught at Christendom? Because yeah. I know that you yeah. do. Do yeah. you, do you yeah. teach intro to philosophy?
2: Yeah, so I've taught the whole core, you know. So okay. that, yeah. each, each of the classes has its own merit. So I taught the introduction of philosophy, all the histories of philosophy, history of medieval, history of modern. I kind of started there. And then I've been teaching philosophy human nature. I've taught ethics now, you know, some of these classes almost dozens of times. Uh, you know, and then metaphysics, I've taught that. Uh, in my electives that I teach, I try to keep kind of an eclectic variety, keep me dabbling in the speculative branches of philosophy mm-hmm. and the practical branches of philosophy. And, and pushing to kind of relate even philosophical principles to other fields like the arts, uh, which is something I kind of grew up in. Uh, and so I teach, I have an elective on the carnal virtues, which is maybe relevant to what we're going to talk about today. Right. And then I have a highly speculative elective on philosophy of creation. Uh, it was called On the eternity of the World. It looks at the singular question of what reason can know of the duration of the world from antiquity all the way through to modern cosmology, but with a special focus on the debates about the question in the medieval world where the great doctors of the church, Bonaventure and Thomas, disagreed and, and went to battle on, on this contentious question. Uh, fascinating stuff so I have a class on that and then I teach a philosophical themes in film class which is you know popular and fun and but but challenging and and really enjoyable Uh, and then to broaden the scope even of my own horizons I also teach in uh, in our students horizons as well I teach a course on the ancient philosophies of China and India which I've begun to refine and is popular. You know, our, our students have 125 credits in the Western intellectual tradition, but the liberal arts makes you broad-minded, right? right. Uh, and and so not to become fluent, but to be conversant, okay, in the major ideas that shaped like the other half of the world right. yeah, is is something I think that is valuable, uh, and I've really enjoyed. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, right
1: on. yeah. and then also, and before we get yep. into yep. Um, virtue itself, I did yep. want to ask. Yep. Um, when you were in the seminary or I guess throughout the seminary and then when you went to Regis and then you went to the Angelicum after. Was there a, because you did, I guess your desire to become a Mm -hmm. professor or become a teacher did that happen at the seminary or in then as you went out or was that was that kind of like was that there or after you came out you're like i think this would be cool to teach this that's a
2: fair question i i think i've always had a desire to teach even way back in high school people would come to me to to mentor them and to kind of explain things whether in literature or whatever uh, so I've always kind of had a, a passion for learning. Okay, sure. and teachers are in some ways you're able to be a committed lifelong learner, sure. which is you know something I, I just enjoy. But I, I even back in the day I, I really love mentoring and even making kind of very abstract notions accessible uh, mm. to people. There's okay. just such a satisfaction in mentoring people and, and helping them to kind of see what you know what I've come to see over time and, uh, and, and to pursuing wisdom with them, you know, sure. uh, is, is something. So i I think that, that call even predated my conversion. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. Okay.
3: Wow. Sounds
1: good. Yeah. Um, and then I guess, yeah, we can just kind of, yeah. um, go straight into virtue. Um, so if yeah. you could just yeah. yeah. kind of define it in, uh, I guess just define yeah. it how St. Thomas, St. Sure. Thomas does, and then, yeah. um, just kind of, um, I guess, yeah, from there, we'll be able to yeah, kind of yeah. do get a little further.
2: Yeah, so it's good to start with the definition. What are we right. talking about? Right. Uh, and, and to be precise and clear about that. So Aquinas use, uh, uses a definition of virtue that is in keeping with, with Augustine. But maybe a good place to start would be uh, his thought, especially in his philosophy of human nature and ethics, is, is very much rooted in the thought of Aristotle. Uh, and so the Aristotelian definition, which St. Thomas more or less adopts and expands on, uh, would be virtue is a state of character, concerned with choice, consisting in a mean, a mean relative to us, and as a mean as discerned, if you will, by a man of practical wisdom. Okay, so the, there's multiple components. Okay, uh, and we can kind of begin kind of breaking that up. Yeah, the state of character refers to how it's a habit. Okay, it's a moral habit. Okay, something we're not born with, but that's acquired. It's concerned with choice because it's only decisions made uh, through deliberation, voluntary action. Uh, when we choose to deliberate of our actions and choose uh, uh, what to do, you know, what it, we discern we ought to do or ought not to do, that actually forms those dispositions. Uh, and we can talk about how it consists in a mean and how that mean is, is to a certain extent relative to the individual, certainly relative to the circumstances okay, of the decisions he makes. Or she makes, and then uh, practical wisdom, as a man of practical wisdom would discern, uh, refers to the way in which uh, uh, it's only a person of lived experience, okay, mm. who has the virtue of prudence that is capable of discerning and, and making those choices effectively, and of finding the mean in all of uh, his thoughts and deeds and passions. Okay. okay and so i'm happy to kind of break that down yeah. sure so yeah, so as yeah. Yeah, we start with the, the the whole notion i think a great place to start though is <clears throat> as a state of character yeah. right so that's that's kind of the, the first part of it and so virtue is is a habit okay and uh but it's it's unlike other habits in that it's a moral habit okay it's a habit that makes one good or bad and so just yeah spending a little bit of time talking about virtue as a habit habits are fascinating you know i mean mm-hmm. every, everything we do i think people underestimate how how everything we almost everything we do is done out of habit okay so habits are are uh, i think people refer it to as actions but but they're qualities a habit is a mm-hmm. firmly rooted quality of the soul now you get a habit by performing repetitive action right? Right. And by report, performing repetitive action you develop a firmly rooted disposition to act in the same way in the future okay right. uh, and so we can speak of, of habits even associated with uh, different things we do the habit of being able to play uh, <clears throat> the piano to being able to play soccer okay it's, it's obviously nothing it's something we're not born with but through repetitive actions we develop a firmly rooted disposition to be able to play the piano to be able to play soccer uh and, and the like and, and and virtue and as a habit is is not so dissimilar okay uh so it's something we're not born with okay something that we acquire and we acquire through specific kinds of actions the moral choices we make uh, and, and they then define our character. They, they make us into, uh, they give us, if you will, a kind of second nature. Uh, what we have of, of ourself, you know, kind of our own nature and powers are kind of there innately, uh, mm-hmm. but virtues are added on, okay, to our nature by the kinds of actions that we perform, Okay. Uh, and so just a tiny bit more background on that, you know, uh, what kind of actions kind of form virtues? Virtues are good or they're good moral habits, vices are bad moral habits. And, and how do we discern kind of the difference uh, and how are they, they, they kind of related to man and is thriving? You know, briefly here, Aristotle would say that uh, a good man is one that fulfills his purpose. Okay? Mm. Uh, and so to know what a good thing is, is, uh, is to, you have to discern what that thing is and what it's made for. Okay so you know a good knife is one that cuts well okay because you you know that because what distinguishes a knife from all the other utensils is it doesn't scoop or poke it it, it cuts okay and therefore a good knife fulfills it a good knife fulfills its purpose okay so similarly with man okay uh, we have to look at what separates him what distinguishes him from all the other entities in the material order and that's fundamentally his reason okay And so a good man is one that reasons well, okay? And virtue allows man to do that, okay? By allowing, by forming the right kind of habits in his intellect so that he pursues truth habitually, uh, by establishing in his will the right kind of habits that allow him to do good, okay? Uh, And uh, it allows him to even establish certain habits in his passions so that he feels in accord with reason. Uh, now, now, what does that look like? How do we know? Okay, what what does it mean to, to kind of manifest reason in, in our thoughts and actions? And obviously, in, in, in regarding truth and intellectual virtue, when you, you habitually conform your own ideas to the way reality is. Okay, uh, and and especially if you, if you have wisdom, the highest realities, you know, kind of knowing God, knowing the most ultimate causes, you know, that that, that forms the right kind of intellectual culture. But as far as the moral life is concerned. Uh, you find that, that rational excellence, he would argue, and this kind of takes us into maybe the next aspect of virtue as a mean, right. uh, when uh, our actions kind of thrive and find that rational excellence, when they're certainly directed by reason, and, and we see a kind of rational action when it, uh, is, it kind of thrives and is successful by by consisting in a mean. So, so what does he imply by that? He uses an analogy, this is Aristotle, to talk about virtue as a mean. Uh, he would say, you know, the, the, a thing, a natural thing, thrives when it doesn't go to excess or defect. Okay, so, so a plant, you know, when it doesn't have too much light, too much water, uh, it, it's able to thrive. And, and also, though, when it doesn't have a defective amount, okay, of light and water, it needs the right amount in order to thrive. And so too with our actions, okay? Uh, if we speak of any specific action, like giving money, okay, you don't want to give too much money away, or actually, that, that deprives you of the ability to be generous, okay? Uh, you also don't want to, uh, you, know, you won't have any friends if you never give money, if you're never generous with your money. Uh, and so you want to find that right mean, you know, giving pleasure to others. You don't want to be overly, you know, kind of uh, give pleasure excessively like what Aristotle calls the obsequious man, you know, and mm. you, don't, you don't want to also give pleasure defectively. Uh, the obsequious man never gives pain, you know, mm. uh, whereas the contentious man is, is a pain to be around. And so the, the, the virtue is in that mean. Uh, and consists in that meat. Uh, you want to feel anger regarding passions, you know, to feel anger excessively is obviously highly problematic, but to, to not get angry is also a problem. You know, yeah. as someone who's is slavish and a bad friend, if they don't get angry when injustice occurs or, or when, when your friend is insulted and you don't get angry and you need that anger even to motivate you to do what is just and, and heroic. Uh, and and so that 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 is what we're talking about virtue allows you and, and this is fascinating okay as a habit to find that mean okay directed ultimately by prudence, which is is able to discern what the mean is, and to do so easily and mm-hmm. regularly and habitually okay uh, and so it's fascinating uh you know it, we would say that and, and it ultimately makes man free right. okay and, and and so freedom i, I guess and just there's all these definitions of freedom but we can say freedom would be a capacity uh, to do something. You know? uh, certain things aren't free because they're coerced, they're, they're forced to do things, or they're, they're, they don't have that, that ability to do it on their own. Uh, but something is, is free when it has the capacity to do things. But I think we can recognize uh, that the freedom looks different. There's the ability to do something, an ability to do it well. Okay? Right. And uh, so we all have the ability to play the piano. You know, we can play, I can just start plucking. You know, we have the sure. ability to play soccer. I can just start kicking a ball around, okay? Uh, but it's only a person with the right habits, okay, who has the freedom to play the piano well, okay? Right. To play like Chopin. I can't do that, okay? Uh, I don't have the freedom to play, the, the, the Lionel Messi has, okay? Right. To play soccer well, okay? And what's fascinating is not all men, okay? We have a reason and a capacity To make the right choices and to to make to be guided by reason in our intellectual life and our thoughts and words and deeds, but it's the only person who has the right habits formed over time. Okay, of finding that mean in all of his actions and passions, that is truly free to thrive and be happy as a human being. Okay, and that's what's so exciting about the virtue ethics is it's liberating, right? It's good news. Okay. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's consistent with the legal, kind of legal, train, uh, legal moral philosophy of, like, uh, the Judeo-Christian culture. Uh, but it adds something, you know, kind of the pagan culture and that St. Thomas harmonized with kind of a law-based ethic. Um, and, and ultimately, we see that law is even ordered to virtue. You know, you know, law directs you what to do, uh, but so you do the right things, to build the right habits so that you can be free, right. you know, and so mm-hmm. that you can be free to be happy and thrive as a human being. Right. Okay. It yeah. seems that
0: an easy objection to yeah. make yeah. about virtue yeah. is that in order to build virtue, you have to be working towards the good. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but how do you distinguish between, yeah. uh, Augustine talks about in the Confessions, yeah. between yeah. good and apparent good?
2: Yeah.
0: How do you, do you have to measure that up against something? Like, yeah. what?
2: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> how do you get into the mentality of I'm yeah. pursuing a good and yeah. I think I'm pursuing it correctly, but what if I'm pursuing the wrong good? It yeah. seems good to me. Yeah. But am I actually doing that for a virtuous reason?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And, and this gets into a couple of things. The way in which the, the, the kind of virtue ethics is, is both rooted in a kind of objectivity, okay, hmm. and it's consistent with a morality that embraces what you might call trans-epical, trans-cultural moral norms. It's like just a ways of, 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 of behaving that need to kind of be embraced by any people at any time in order to really be happy and to thrive. But allows for uh, kind of circumstances to affect, okay, Uh, and to be taken into account uh, in our moral actions. So so I'll explain. Uh, So, virtue, even as a mean, uh, which is determined by prudence, okay, presupposes certain forms we might call uh, kind of uh, preparatory or propedeutic forms of knowledge, okay. So, for starters, you know, in terms of making moral decisions, you have to know what man is, what he's made for. Okay, and this can be informed by religion. You know, we know, you know, man's made to know love and serve God in this life, so be happy with him in the next. Okay, uh, and and so we know, kind of, also man's nature by by revelation. Okay, uh, man is, is a body soul composite. You know, he doesn't become a good man by becoming an angel, or he doesn't become a good man by favoring his animality, but by allowing his animality to be transformed, directed by his rationality. Okay. Uh, but we, even the great pagan thinkers kind of came to similar conclusions okay uh, and so you need to know you know man's a body so composite you know and he's made you know he doesn't find his thriving in a good that is pleasure okay a good that is wealth uh, these goods that we desire a kind of complete fulfillment uh, and 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 to rest in that fulfillment but we find so many things to be unsatisfying. Uh, you know, ultimately, wealth is is it should be some an end, but we don't desire wealth just for itself. We desire it only to buy stuff or to get something. You know? But even those pleasures that we can get from buying things, th- there's a way in which they don't fully fulfill our rational nature, and they leave us wanting for more. And there's ways to argue ultimately that it's living a life of complete virtue that man is able to be actually satisfied and find that self-sufficient thriving uh, that he seeks. Okay, so so you have to know man's nature. You have to know his right end and then i think that the next part the next piece is to know those moral norms okay Uh, and to discern that there are certain kinds of actions that are consistent with becoming good and and achieving Mm -hmm. that end and there's certain kind of actions that just fundamentally frustrate it okay Mm -hmm. and so aristotle would admit that there are some actions that don't have a mean okay uh, you know, you know, lying, cheating, stealing, fornication like the, the, those are, there's never like an, a mean regarding those actions, okay, right. uh, and so there's some actions, kind of, and so this is where the moral law comes in, you know, the divine law, the natural law, and they, uh, I would argue, are kind of like those, if you compare it to a sporting analogy, there's, those are the rules of, of the playing field, okay, those are the rules that everybody has to follow in order to be a good soccer player, you can't handle the ball outside of the box, okay, <laughs> Uh, you know, and even inside the box, unless you're a goalie. I mean, you can't play the game well and violate those rules, okay? Right. But all of that, and this is the kind of education you have even at a young age, okay? That's just the start, okay, of your, of your moral experience. Because you need something more, okay? You need to even apply causistry, uh, which is the next kind of knowledge, which helps form your conscience. Because mm. I think ultimately prudence, which directs all of our moral decisions, is, is likened to our situational conscience. And we talk about, you You need an informed conscience. And so what we're talking about here is what goes into forming that conscience. Right. So the background knowledge, you need to know what man is, what he's made for. You need to know those moral laws that help all men to thrive. The next thing in you need to apply those moral norms to individual circumstance. You need to think about, you know, what would Jesus do? How did the Beatitudes, the commandments, what does it look like when you live those out? And that's what Christ did. He came to show us, you know, kind of what to do, right? Uh, and, and so to kind of ponder, but even that isn't enough, right? Because what would Jesus do is not exactly what I should do because I'm not God. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, sure. And, and you see the lives of the saints. And what Peter did is not what Paul did. Okay. What Mary did is not what Martha did. Okay. And, and so there are different ways, right, uh, to live out that call to holiness. And, and, and what you need to know them beyond that. Okay. You need to take into consideration, not just those universals, but particulars. You need to know yourself. And you need to know the circumstances of your acting. And so when I said virtue is a mean, uh, and th- th- he adds then, virtue is a mean relative to us. And so it's like, well, what is right. this? Is this a kind of moral relativity? Like, what, yeah. what does that mean? Well, it simply means, and these are things that we're all familiar with, even like a lot of your listeners are Catholics or whatever, you know, we grow up uh, uh, kind of aware of these distinctions. right? So, so temperance okay, uh, you know, is a mean regarding pleasures associated with touch and taste. And we know that to overeat, okay, or, or to indulge excessively in those kinds of pleasures is to be self-indulgent and vicious in that way. But you can also be puritanical and underindulge, okay? Uh, you know, and I know you guys enjoy your coffee, you guys enjoy your whiskey. <laughs> and there's, there's a place for that, right? Uh, there's a place for that in the moral life and a time for that. But that time is probably not on Good Friday, okay? But it might be on Easter Sunday. And so the mean of temperance changes, Okay. Uh, the mean of temperance on Good Friday is not the mean of temperance on Easter Sunday. Okay, uh, to actually indulge in even some cappuccinos and whiskeys or whatever on Good Friday would be to be self-indulgent, but maybe just to have like like three light meals. Okay, on Easter Sunday would be to be insensible, which is the, is the vice on the opposite side. Right. Okay. And, and you need to feast because the situation calls for that, right mm. and and that's where uh, kind of the experience comes in. that's where prudence comes in. That's where knowing yourself comes in and you know how to what is your service to the body of Christ and and you have to be able to discern that and and, and so then we see a, a kind of variety and, and it gives rise to a kind of you know, uh, kind of a, a universality, Catholics are universal, and, and, and authentic Catholic culture gives rise to authentic plurality and diversity, you know, and uh, and we see that in all the saints, the different kinds of saints we have, uh, all which are following the same objective moral norms, they're all doing that, but they do that in their own way, right, and, and it takes that self-knowledge, it, it takes a, a kind of attentiveness to circumstance, you know, to give pleasure you're obliged to you give pleasure to people, right? Uh, that right. you encounter. They're, they're made in the image and likeness of God. But the way you give pleasure to a friend that you know is to embrace them, but but not to a stranger. You know, I right. mean, <laughs> you know, like that would be that would not, be, oh, yeah, <laughs> not it would be, normal. Yeah, super right. awkward. You get yeah. Thrown in, thrown in jail or slapped <laughs> or something. You know? And then uh, you know, and, and then you know, you can underdo it. You know, in, in different ways too, right? right? And so you have to be not only attentive to those normal norms, but you have to know yourself and you have to know your environment and you have to discern. You know, and, and, and tr- learn from experience. You know, I, I, the virtue of, of wittiness is how to joke well. Okay. And you can go to excess of buffoonery and you can go to defect of being a bore. You know, who's, uh, Aristotle says, is useless for leisure, which is a huge <laughs> part of life. You know, and, and no one wants yeah. to be friends with them. And friendship is a huge part of human thriving. You know? right. And so learn yeah. how to joke well and to be guided by reason. You know, whereas the buffoon is guided by, by doing anything to get a rise at the right. wrong times and the wrong ways uh, and his humor isn't guided by reason. Uh, you know, you, you, you need to find that. But but that mean of wittiness is different when you're with your guy friends. It's different when you're joking with members of the opposite sex. It, it takes time and experience, okay? And this is right. where that practical wisdom component comes in, okay? Which is one of the last aspects of that definition where it takes a life, okay, of discerning, Okay. Uh, And this is things even as Catholics, how does this fit with things we're familiar with? Well, take an examination of conscience, you know, at the end of the day, where did I hit the mark, okay, in my actions, in my passions, okay, Uh, where, how did I miss the mark, okay, how did I go to excess, how did I go to defect? And over time, okay, you develop that capacity habitually to be the kind of person who knows, okay, given what I'm experienced, what reality is presenting to me, what I need to give back, okay? Right. Uh, and, and that does kind of like, a, there's a name Aquinas called salertia which is like a nimbleness, mm-hmm. a, a nimble capacity to identify what a situation needs in that moment. And, and, but that, that, that facility, okay, is, is, and that freedom to be able to do that is, is only achieved over time.
1: Right. Well yeah, yeah and about. and actually um all that is just fascinating. And yeah. and I mean with that, all of it is very much rooted within yeah. Saint Thomas and Aristotelianism. Mm-hmm. Um I I was thinking of a uh, just yesterday and yeah. and obviously ever since really Christendom, I mean we've yeah. had conversations yeah. with the guys at the house just yeah. kinda yeah. like
2: yeah.
1: obviously Education now is so readily available to everyone, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and just like information is also so readily available, just with with our phones, yeah. with all mm-hmm. that stuff. Okay. Um, I guess so. Yeah. I get and, and if yeah. I don't, I, no, I mean, never mind. Yeah. Um, but like so, Thomism and yeah. and the uh, just kind of the philosophy of tomism, mm-hmm. Um Obviously, at, at Christendom, we learned that mm-hmm. philosophy is. Um, and like metaphysics is something you have to know like you can really only study it after experience like after like so it, I mean Aristotle mm-hmm. talks about like an yeah. age that yeah. you can't really study it, but mm-hmm. so philosophy and Thomism mm-hmm. is there a mm-hmm. Do you believe that everyone should mm-hmm. have a mm-hmm. like a firm like rootedness in Thomism mm-hmm. and and I guess if, if so, is there are there particulars that you think, like, so human nature and ethics, are those, like, mm-hmm. the central things yeah. that, that we as as just, like, humans need yeah. to know? Yeah. Um, so, like, in high school or, like, is it in college that you really should start it? Or I guess, yeah, yeah I don't
2: know. No, I, 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 those, those are all really good questions. So uh, I'd start with this. You know, so what's great about St. Thomas, okay, is not that he has one kind of view. He, because he has just such a robust intellect, has figured it all out on his own. Okay? <laughs> like his genius is that he makes use of a tradition. Okay? So men have been pursuing mm-hmm. wisdom <clears throat> from the beginning of time, okay right. and they've been making errors and mistakes from the beginning of time. Okay. But what's what's beautiful about Saint Thomas is he takes the wisdom wherever it can be found. In the pagans, okay, in the Islamic thinkers, the the great Jewish thinkers, Maimonides, the Islamic thinkers have been Rush, Maimonides uh Ibn Sina Avicenna, Averroes, those characters, uh, and, and and the patristic tradition, obviously. And, and, and he takes all of that. He consolidates, he organizes it. There's a very few kind of original ideas that he's adding on top of that. Mm. But but his great genius is to help collect, codify, and organize perennial wisdom. Okay. Those ideas that have stood the test of time, okay? Uh and, and to be able to order them. Okay, uh, and, and that is, I think, why like, Thomism is so favorable and Thomism is, I mean, it's just knowledge of reality and so I think it's right. easy to kind of get in your head because reading is hard, I mean, it takes learning the vocabulary, it takes time, but at the end of the day, the more you, you study it, the more you realize it's just rooted in common human everyday experience right. and, and it's very down to earth, it's, it's very accessible. So, yeah, so I think uh, eventually, I think it kind of knowing kind of a Thomistic worldview, but I think sometimes people end up embracing Thomistic worldview without even knowing it, okay? Mm. Because it, it's rooted in our common nature. It's rooted in reality. It's rooted sure. in, in what we're talking about, even regarding virtues, things that, that people experience. Uh, so uh, as far as, and, and, and here's another help, uh and this is where but it's it's arduous you know to know his proofs existence of God is difficult even at Christendom there's debate even among our philosophy and theology department like what the arguments are doing you know some people say mm-hmm. it's not until the third way that you look at the, the first three of his five ways collectively that then God's exp- is is proved by the third way okay mm-hmm. and then other people re- reject that and they have different ideas about or what he's trying to accomplish because he's borrowing arguments from other people okay for all of the different five ways but Aristotle, you know, who's arguing for a prime mover, actually affirms in this, uh, that there's actually 40 to 48 prime movers. And so mm. he's not proving the one God in the way St. Thomas is. So what is he doing? How is he using Aristotle's argument? He's using it, but in a way that's slightly different. I, I won't get into all the specifics. No, sure. but, I, yeah, yeah. But, but, but it's hard. And that's why St. Thomas says, those who know God's existence are few. <clears throat> and they know them after a long time and with an admixture of error. And so to to do all that, and and, and we kind of need to know, right? Because if God is our end, we need to know our end at the beginning of our life. And then we need to know the kind of actions that are conducive to that. And that's where St. Thomas starts. And this is in the first article, first question of the Summa, that we have a moral necessity Hmm. for God to reveal himself. Okay. And so when you ask, what do people need to do? Well, in some ways, we've been given a huge help, right? And that is that God has revealed stuff to us. So right. he's given us the answers. Okay, now we still need to, to because we are, our intellects are made to know, uh, you know, you you need to fly with both faith and reason. You know, There are two wings of, of a bird upon which the, 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 the kind of mind of, of man ascends to the contemplation of truth, as John Paul II said in fetus Ratio. And so you, all, all faith you know, without reason is fideism. It's a heresy. All reason without faith is rationalism. You need both, right? Uh, you know but but that that faith is huge right because it gives us the capacity to 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 receive you know by way of the magisterium you know kind of you know some of some of those answers okay, and then we have a lifetime to kind of work it out on our own okay and and that is is a huge help you know and, and i yeah. think little little by little I think you can get that education you know i think it, it takes time uh but but fortunately you know the some of the greatest saints right you know the you know, are uh, the little flower, and she wasn't a great intellectual, right? Sure. Uh, you know, but, but she had great insight. Uh, and, and fortunately, God's allowed, you know, even the great, just professing the, the, the creed of our church, okay, with faith. Those are answers to the perennial questions that exceed what the greatest minds ever came up with on their own, okay? Right. Yeah, you know, they knew God exists, but they never discerned the nature of the Trinity. we've been told that the one God is three persons and and how that affects our worldviews is is rather profound. And, and we know, you know, so I think, I think being able to rest on kind of revealed religion is, is a help for people. Mm -hmm. And then to slowly build their kind of philosophical and rational life, uh, so that they, you know, it's faith seeking understanding, you know, is the fetus corns intellectum is, is, is the kind of, uh, adage of of, on some augustine you know we we know by faith and now let's see what we can do by reason to just fortify because it's it's great to believe it but but to even kind of understand it better understand why prove what can be proven what what cannot be proven by reason you know to to maybe still by way of what we call the motives of credibility to show how even these truths we believe are probable you know Mm -hmm. uh allows us to kind of more completely with more of ourself embrace the truth yeah
1: and honestly I think yeah. especially with today um especially with I guess the pushback against religion and yeah. and just anything that isn't uh, like really with the I guess um Glorification of like materialism and everything so being able to and although it's not we obviously would like St. Therese she wasn't a a great intellectual, but she had great insight into the practical and into reality and obviously that came from her faith. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the things that I've just thought of a lot especially learning at Christendom and then talking with with friends is just the Obviously, we need to know our faith, mm-hmm. but we also need to be able to think well, That's and to right. be able to, right. uh, and and to be able to apply it to our lives yeah. through virtue, yeah. um, and and we're helped through grace That's through right. the theological virtues and everything yeah. like that. But um, yeah. still, the virtues themselves are are practical habits that yeah. we have to yeah. We, yeah. we are acting out in the world right. ourselves, yeah. and and obviously uh, yeah. just like pushed on by grace. But it's just I don't know. Philosophy has been such a a blessing to yeah. be able to learn to be able to learn it, and I think I definitely yeah. could have learned a lot more yeah. at Christendom because, just because yeah. the amount of classes that were there about certain things, but sure. I don't know, it's just such but, a but such no you, a say that you
2: say that well, you know, and, and even kind of build on what we said earlier, right? God didn't reveal everything, right? And he didn't reveal what you need to do today with your life, right. okay? So he gives us those foundational principles. You know, He gives us those fundamental moral norms. He says what we're made for. But then, you know, he, he asks us to to, you know, pull up our, our own britches and participate, you know, in, in, uh, he wants you to discover, it, you know, and, and he wants you to be involved. You know, he's given us powers to know, you know, and he mm-hmm. wants us to uh, actualize those powers. Right. And, and, and that's where, you know, the, the knowledge you know, of, of you know, received by religion is all a helpful background, but then there, there's more to discover and there's more to discover is, 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 and it's up to you to do it. You know, right. it's up to you to be attentive to your experience, attentive to particulars and what is demanded, you know, attentive to who you are and how it, your role in the body of Christ and to figure that out. And, and that, you know, it takes time. It takes a lifetime to really discern. And, and it's kind of in that part of it, obviously, collaborating with God and, and then also friends, you know, friends of the people. It's interesting. Um, friends and, and maybe spiritual directors and things. Are the only people that really are best suited to give you prudent advice okay mm. uh, even myself as a philosophy professor i i can't because it t- takes into so many particulars i don't know what the exact mean is for you until i know you really well you right. know and, and it takes friends it takes maybe kind of spiritual directors people who know the particulars of you to be able to give those insights and and those are all discovered and that's for us to figure out and, right. and to live an attentive life um and that, and that allows you and I'll just finish you, one thing I didn't mention that sporting analogy you know those those, those rules okay are, are for everybody but then to play a soccer game well you have to know particulars right. okay you have to you have to discern like Barcelona did, you know, in, in its heyday, you know, ten years ago. Right. You know, we have Lionel Messi, Iniesta, Xabi, these genius players, and, and they're all like shorter than I am. You're like five foot six. <laughs> sure, you know. Sure, sure, sure. So what are they going to do to thrive? They're going to hit balls into the box and try to head it into the goal. Not when the defenders are a foot taller. You know, right, right, <laughs> like, right. they're going to play these cute little passing triangles and play with it on the ground and be successful. But that's not the only way to be successful. Right. You know, the Germans you know, actually use their superior height and strength and tactical organization They've won what four or five World Cups, right? And so you play a different way. The, the conditions, you know, like you right. have to—is is it rainy now? You know, is it snowing right. out? You're playing football. You're going to change your game plan, right? right. And so it, you do need to know those rules. But that's not it. You need to know yourself. Uh, you need to know who your teammates are. Yeah, you, know, you need to know who your opponent is. And all of those things kind of are not foreknown, okay. And that's what the the, the virtue of prudence is so so brilliant because it gives you that habitual capacity to adapt yourself. Uh, Because when I say even, you know, there's uh, there's that subjective dimension of of knowing the the subjective circumstances of our actions, but there often is, and almost there's always kind of a right way, okay? okay. And, and so even though the right way for you is not always identical as John the Baptist was, uh, you know, was in the desert and Christ was called a glutton and a drunkard because he would eat and drink with sinners. And John the Baptist didn't have, he was felt like his contribution to the common good was to, to not indulge in those things at all, right? And so there's that, that uh, variability uh, that has to be kind of appreciated and, and prudence allows you to kind of find that and discover that. Uh, and, and that isn't, you know, it's, it's something that, that isn't revealed by religion. It's something that we discover, you know, but right. which is consistent with all those things that have been revealed. It kind of gives us that background. But then you know, we need to, that, that stuff that, that, that's up to us as, as men and women to figure out. And it takes a lifetime, you know, right. and, and it takes, and that, and that, that can be encouraging. You know? So advice to people would be like, give yourself some, some, be patient with yourself. You know, hitting the mark is a virtue, Finding the mean in a given situation. Aristotle says it's hard in the extreme. You know, we, and so we even have to kind of, it takes a a lifetime just like honing your precision with archery. It takes a while. And if you keep pulling or your golf shot, you keep slicing uh, and then you start hooking when you overcorrect. And it takes time to kind of hone your vision. But if you miss the mark by a little bit, you know, Aristotle would even say that there's probably n- nothing disordered there. You know, I right. mean, it's not even in the venial sin category and certainly not the mortal sin category, you know, mm. and it takes time to kind of hone that. But but it's up to you and, and, and obviously grace and the sacraments and living that life can help fortify you because also right. counsel is a gift of the Holy Spirit that perfects right. prudence, you know, right. and and having God kind of giving that can, can be helpful. But he also, grace builds on nature. And so the more you're doing on your own, even the more God can help by giving you kind of that divine counsel uh, to to guide your decision-making.
0: Yeah. So you've mentioned yeah. <clears throat> prudence yeah. and temperance, yeah. but there's also two yeah. others, yeah, yeah, justice yeah. and fortitude, that are part of mm-hmm. what we call the four cardinal virtues. Sure, sure. How, what are the cardinal virtues, yeah, yeah. and then why are they called the cardinal virtues, yeah. and how, how do they sure. differ from the theological virtues or just yeah. natural virtue in, in general?
2: Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. So uh, from the beginning of time, uh, it's just fascinating. Even pr- prior to, to Socrates, you know, even when Socrates and Plato, they start talking about the virtue of, and, and there's this fourfold understanding, okay, that the, the general ways of human thriving would be to be prudent, to be just, to be courageous, to be, you know, have fortitude and to be temperate, okay? And, and all the other virtues can kind of fit under those categories, okay? So they're in some ways the most general because... And why, how is that the case? Well, prudence perfects your, your practical intellect, okay? It gives you knowledge. Uh, it's called the mother of the other virtues, mm. uh, because in order, the other virtues have to do with doing good or feeling in the right way or acting in the right way. The only way to do or feel or act the right way is to know how to feel or act. And so prudence is, is, is like that light that points out, okay, what that mean is, okay? Mm. And, and so it, it guides those. It's causally prior. You have to know what is good before you do. Okay, basically. Uh, doing good is, is fundamentally what justice is about. So it's a virtue that perfects our will. And so you have to know what is good. And really, you know, the virtues are, are kind of consolidated. And knowing what is good, doing what is good. Okay, so why do we even need courage and temperance? Okay, mm-hmm. if, if you need prudence to, to know what is good, justice does what is good. Well, <clears throat> what's fascinating is, is our passions have to be taken into account. Okay, and our passions can help or hinder. Our ability to do what is good. So, for instance, like you, know, you might want to, you know, what's prudent is to listen to your commanding officer on the battlefield, you know, but he's commanding you, and you might want to do that. But if you have a habitual tendency to give in to fear, okay, and, and if you're not able to manage your fear, then fear <clears throat> can distort your your ability to see what is good uh, and do what is good. Certainly. Okay? And, and it can lead you to do what you ultimately don't want to do uh, you know, and to flee when you should stand and fight if that's what you're commanded to do. Okay? And therefore, we need to okay, infuse into our, our irascible, concupiscible appetites, but into our passions okay, a kind of order so that our passions can actually facilitate and encourage us to do what is good okay? as opposed to frustrate us. And so, so if you had to kind of consolidate that then, Uh, Prudence is about knowing what's good, justice is about doing it, okay? Uh, And and both uh, courage, fortitude, and temperance are about preserving the good against Mm -hmm. threats that might arise to our goodwill that arise from our passions, okay? And and, and sometimes also, but it's not just threats, okay? They also kind of give us energy to do what is good, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard to do any, if you want to, like, face a difficult evil, you know, uh, like our Lord cast out the money changers you kind of need a little spiritedness you need a little anger okay to make you do what is right okay uh, and without that anger you, you wouldn't have the, the the power and the energy to do difficult things and and, and, to, and, and to confront things that need to be confronted you know? Uh, and and then you know uh, obviously as, as a rational animal too you know, our passions have, have a role to play in, in our happiness and thriving you know it's, it's fascinating Aquinas would say that it's good to do good but it's even better to do good with passion okay mm-hmm. uh, because more of man is engaged okay uh, you want to will what is good and that's why he, he even makes comparison to the Psalms and and he says um, uh, he quotes David you know, when he said. My heart and my flesh rejoice in the living God. Okay. He says heart is actually refer- refers to the rational appetite of the will and flesh refers to the passions. Okay. Mm. And more of man rejoices in God when not only does he love God with his will, but also his passions are ordered. And, and for what it's worth, that's the very diff- We're talking about virtue. It's the very distinction between the virtuous man and the continent man. Okay. Are their passions? Okay. Both of them know what is good and both of them do what is good. Okay, Uh, but the continent man doesn't enjoy it, okay? It hasn't become so habitual, okay? And his passions are opposed to his reason, okay? Uh, Whereas uh, when it becomes more habitual and the passions become aligned, okay? uh, The virtuous man knows what is good, does it, and and his his passions, uh, he enjoys to do what is good because his passions are aligned by reason. Anyway. And, so, and, yeah. so it seems yeah. that oh. free
0: will then yeah. is necessary for mm-hmm. cultivating virtue.
2: Yeah, yeah, free will is, is obviously essential uh, because of, of, of the element of it's concerned with choice. Okay, right. and so so it's only actions that you choose that are habit forming in terms of your character. You know, like if someone acts on you, it doesn't form bad habits. You know, someone sure. you know kind of abuses you or whatever. You know, someone, as Augustine said, you know, the rape of Lucretia. You know, the, the two people are involved in sin when this woman is abused, and and but there's there's the, the two people involved in the act, but only one sinned. You know, I mean, to be uh, to be acted upon, obviously, doesn't isn't virtue forming. So she, and so he said it's so sad because she took her own life and she took the life of a woman who actually hadn't her purity had not been defiled. Okay, because her purity doesn't have, in Christianity doesn't associate so much with your bodily purity, but the purity of your will, like those 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 faculties, those inviolable, most dignified faculties of man, or his intellect and will, his rational part. She never violated that, so she never became bad, right? Mm. And and so yeah, it, it is only in those decisions that we make uh, freely, okay, that form in us a habitual capacity to either you know, kind of make good decisions or ultimately bad decisions if if we form ourselves in certain vices. Uh, Of course, the good news is once those habits are formed, they become strong, but they can be overcome and changed by changing our behaviors, you know, and and, and getting rid of those habitual dispositions to do things that are disordered and and, and act in ways that are more conducive to our thriving.
0: And I think, excuse me, and I think as Catholics, Mm -hmm. the way that we see the end and the way that we pursue the good is through that lens of God. Mm -hmm. And so someone who doesn't believe in God, even if they came to like Aristotle did Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a quasi belief in what virtue is and a kind of maybe almost a half understanding of, Mm -hmm. of its purpose and beauty. um, Mm -hmm. It seems that for Catholics more specifically because of God's grace, we are able, as you mentioned earlier, because grace builds on nature, these different, moral habits that we can build of choosing prudently and of living courageously become elevated through God's grace. So so then in that case, there are different types of virtues and the, the cardinal virtues are just moral virtues. What are the supernatural? So there are supernatural virtues. Sure. Are those given by God? Is yeah. that something that yeah. we, yeah. you know, as soon as we convert to Catholicism, yeah. we receive, what does that look like?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So, so again, I, and I think I, yeah, I didn't fully answer the question. So the cardinal virtues are those virtues you kind of can acquire, okay, uh, that the, you can acquire because we're uh, rational entities that can make good choices, form the right kinds of habits, uh, but then there's there's other virtues, okay, that uh, we cannot accumulate on our own, okay, and so these would be the theological virtues, you know, the virtues that we need grace in order to have, uh, and so the traditional theological virtues, you know, the, the the three primary ones would be faith, hope, and love. Now we can we can there's a natural kind of faith, okay, uh, you know the the faith is is see um, kind of knowing without or let's see of of making affirmations about reality without sight okay uh mm-hmm. and and we can do that uh by taking and trusting the word of another okay and so there's natural ways a lot of things that, that we kind of affirm about life aren't necessarily things we've seen okay but things we've learned about because other people have seen it we've taken them at our word you know and so there's kind of a natural faith but but the supernatural yeah. virtue is is where we 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 listen okay and we take the word of God who cannot be deceived nor deceive and come to uh, know what we cannot see, okay, what we have not experienced. And, and that's where, I mean, those virtue, that virtue actually is, is uh, not necessary in the beatific vision, you know, because then we actually see, okay, uh, what we take on faith okay uh but yeah that that, that, that virtue obviously is, is gratuitous is rooted in nature you know it's not a blind faith but 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 it does take us beyond and give us insight into things that we can't know of ourselves. okay and then hope you know is is that ability to have that it's kind of the virtue of the pilgrim of man on his way back to god it allows us to persevere in in, in trying to be united to god and achieve our end but it's an end that we can't do of ourselves. you know to to go to heaven, you need God's grace, and so you 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 need that supernatural hope. And and there, you know, the enemies of it would be presumption. You know that, that you're gonna you're just gonna make it on your own. Uh, you know, even with God's grace, and uh, you know, kind of assuming that there's mercy without justice too, or something. You know that you have to persevere uh, in in the life uh, to the end, as it says in Matthew's gospel, in order to attain that that life. And and then despair is the other case. It's just that that goal is so arduous, so hard. That i'll never attain it but but again with god's grace it, it it can be attained okay and so that that hope allows us to preserve as pilgrims you know we're kind of pursuing our end uh and it keeps us young you know it keeps us young because uh uh we see that in faith and, and there's more of our life to come out after this life mm-hmm. th- than there is in this life and so actually it allows us uh, like you usually natural hope it's just the young who have natural hope and then the older you lose hope because there's not a lot more for you to do but in the supernatural life you see that there's more of our life to come. And that's mm-hmm. why you see even like older people who are imbued with hope are, are almost youthful, okay? Because their their life is just starting in you know, in, in terms of their the their, their full life in, in Christ. And then love is that friendship love of God, you know, and, and that actually orders the entire uh, kind of moral life. Because at the end of the day, um, that friendship love of God is what fulfills man. Okay and therefore even we want to have prudence okay and the natural virtues all of them because it will further okay our capacity to develop our friendship love of god and which entails obviously also serving our common man and doing all these things and so mm-hmm. it actually becomes the, the virtue that orders all of the virtues okay uh, and, and, and has a kind of priority, uh, those the, theological virtues above the cardinal virtues, but, but they serve it, you know, and there's, there's a beautiful way in which they all kind of work together and, and a very complex, you can almost never, we kind of parcel them out, you know, on our own, but, but you know, for the Christian, like where does sacramental grace and the gift of the Holy Spirit that is counsel, kind of stop and prudence begin? How does it help each other? It's 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 hard to describe. You know, we can kind of break it up on our own intellectually in abstraction. <clears throat> Sorry, but in the here and now, they're all integrated, you know, and, and they're really integrated in a, in a beautiful and mysterious way in the, in, in the Christian life.
0: So at the end of time in the beatific vision, you know, is <clears throat> love or charity the only virtue that will actually exist yeah that's
2: a good question i i I guess there's uh i think you know they they do say faith and hope you know because hope is the pilgrim way like to enjoy the blessed life and so it's gone okay because there's no you've you've attained what you've hoped for you know and so love is there but not exclusive there's other things there's so joy there's joy which is you know the enjoyment okay of of having attained that that end and you might also speak of intellectual virtue as as still being present, you know, mm-hmm. the, and, and so you know and see God and you have the virtue of wisdom as an intellectual virtue and you kind of see him. But but there, you know, and, and, and then you can always, it depends on, you know, sometimes you associate uh, virtue also with habitual knowledge you have and God can always, I, I guess, yeah you know, we don't become omniscient in heaven, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh we become like God, we don't become God. You guys I said you guys talk about deification in some mm-hmm. other podcasts here. Right. Uh you know, and that that's important to see. But so we can always kind of reveal to you something else and give to you more habitual knowledge, okay, and increase your intellectual virtue over the perpetuity of our unending life with God. You know? I mean I I I'm kind of hoping God will Show me a bunch of things. I like to go back and see the Civil War. I like to go back and see incidents from childhood. People I was—I'm not on social media. What ended up happening with some people in, in my own life, and but but I, I want to see and, and be aware of a host of things that I'm not aware of now, and so that's a kind of intellectual virtue. I think that would increase and could increase in heaven. Uh, but but yeah, uh, but the, the but the yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so so some are some are still necessary. Okay. Some are but more necessary for a pilgrim trip to God, and some still are are there as we reach our end and and, and are still present.
0: Yeah. I've heard prudence described as um, I think it's the the horse pulling the chariot. Mm. So it's it's, it's yeah. the driving yeah. kind of principle yeah. towards knowledge towards the good. Yeah. <clears throat> and you mentioned that uh, in order to be prudent. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. obviously you have to have a yeah. well-formed conscience yeah. um, and one of the factors in in mm-hmm. forming your conscience mm-hmm. is not only deliberation mm-hmm. <coughs> but also having mm-hmm. prudent guidance yeah, yeah. which you mentioned yeah, yeah. that it has to be someone who knows the particulars because prudence yeah. is in the particulars. Yeah. Um, so for that mm-hmm. person to know you maybe there doesn't have to be a true friendship mm-hmm. but it would almost seem mm-hmm. that in mm-hmm. order to build prudence mm-hmm. and thus all of the other following virtues, that friendship is, in many ways, actually a a, a prerequisite to building prudence. Yeah,
2: it's it's a huge part of it. So so I'll speak to that. The only thing I'd say, as far as the chariot analogy, I I think I'd actually liken in the chariot analogy prudence more to the charioteer, uh, or the the person driving it, Mm -hmm. because they're the visionary, right? And then what, what? What? And then they direct the horses. You know, and I think the horses would be more the appetites, the will, and, and the passions mm-hmm. that, that then kind of carry us on our way. Uh, that that's just the the kind of way I, I, I would use that that analogy. Uh, but but here I, I think you bring up a really really neat point uh, there, Anthony. That uh, one way how, how does this, like friendship increase? It increases our prudence, right? Uh, in in radical ways. Like so, you guys are both married now. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 I don't know, man, I, I knew what I was like as a single guy and like what kind of insights I had. But but I'll say being married has radically expanded my knowledge really. because that's what's beautiful. When you're in a friendship, their lived experience becomes your own.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: OK, the two become one and even their lived experience becomes shared lived experience. And so all of a sudden, I don't only have the troth of my, the wealth of my experience to draw upon, but I have hers as well. Okay. Which is probably yeah. better. Which yeah. is often better, <laughs> often and almost always, <laughs> uh, almost always better. And, and and that that's a huge help, right? That's a helpmate. That's kind of like and, and so there's that help that, that is right there, and, and so yeah. So I think I think it, you know there there's a sense of which comes first, the chicken or the egg. I mean, you have to have some kind of knowledge in order to make decisions. Uh, And and even to kind of discern what kind of people would make good friends, you know, Uh, know. but then, but then friendship becomes invaluable, right? Because it expands your prudential wisdom. And what's more, Aristotle says friendship is like virtue. Okay. In that Mm -hmm. virtue makes doing good more easier, more pleasurable. And doing good with another does the exact same thing, right? Mm. Like if you want to work out in the morning, you know, and get up early. Like if you have a band of brothers, someone who work out, work out with, you know, someone to push you on your workout. Uh, you look at guys fighting, you know, in in, in the army, the military, you know, like the guys who are kind of maybe might be even inclined to cowardice on their own, because they have a band of brothers, you know, for the sake of their brother. They'll they'll like, no greater love hath a man than lay down a life for his friend, and they'll do stuff like that because of friendship. Okay And so having those friends uh, are, are like virtue because it allows it makes doing good easier, more regular, more pleasurable uh, and, and, and and what's more it kind of expands that that prudential wisdom that you have uh, as their experiential wisdom becomes your own and you have a wider trough of experience to draw upon
1: right yeah and that's super interesting yeah. just because I think uh, in the last episode mm-hmm. we uh, briefly, mm-hmm we're talking about the faith and how it kind of spurns us on and like yeah. pushes us outward. Yeah. Um, yeah. So because, because with, yeah. there can be a tendency, I think in myself especially, yeah. uh, just kind of praying and having that change myself but not actually do anything out there. Yeah, or, yeah, or yeah, like. Yeah. And so yeah. that that is, friendship is such a, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you would call it a virtue, but such a practical thing yeah, yeah, because yeah. you, you have this other person That's that right. you want to act well That's towards, right. and then and then that changes it's well you. Put. So it's just I don't. No, know, no, that,
2: that is so well put because it, it's it's in so virtue is a state of character concerned with choice, and it's only in doing good that you develop those habits, right. and it gives someone to act toward. It gives someone to interact with that then forms the habits, and then those habits, if you don't practice them, they die. Okay, if they don't, if you don't use them, you lose them. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you play the piano or playing soccer. Like you have to, and so not only do you form them by those relationships, okay, but then it gives you a consistent opportunity to fortify them by yeah. practicing them, and that's what's beautiful about virtue too. I, I think one of the misconceptions sometimes is is that you just have them. Okay, now I'm prudent. Now I'm just. Now I'm pure. Like yeah. no, like like there's an infinite capacity. Like Christ is justice. We possess it. We have it, and we can always become more just. Like even talking about faith, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Okay, right. there's an infinite ways in which you can become more pure. Okay, and and it's it's and, and that virtue can become. Deep, you know kind of even deeper rooted in you uh but living of those relationships provides the occasion okay as you continually to practice it you become better you okay. know as you practice the piano all the time you become better you, you practice the virtues all the time those virtues which are there you be that they become even more rooted in you and you become even more excellent right. and capable of, of of acting and finding the mean in all you think and do and feel
1: Right. And then also just with, yeah. just especially with friendship, obviously you can have, mm-hmm. it would just made me think of mm-hmm. uh, people, the way people may think of friendship is like, oh, okay, now I get the opportunity to do well to you kind of thing. Yeah. And it's almost like a prideful kind of thing, but mm-hmm. I feel like with yeah. virtue, yeah. virtue like actually yeah. points you in the direction that, yeah. okay, no, this, I'm, obviously my good is, is the Lord and, and, and mm-hmm. to be able to mm-hmm. go towards him, I'm I, I have to do these things. Mm-hmm. It's not, it kind of is like, okay. It almost, I mean, there is kind of an element of not selfishness, but like, obviously it's myself. Like, yeah. I have to do this. Yeah.
0: F- like to, that's like, so I mean, said, yeah. I don't know, I guess
1: maybe I'm, yeah. uh, I think I can definitely say this in a better way, but it yeah. definitely, virtue is able to kind of mm-hmm. point us in that direction and the, and, mm-hmm. and the grace from God is able to point us in the direction yeah. of this is for the other rather than for that's myself.
2: Right. No, that's well put. You know, and, and uh, Aristotle does say that, that actually the virtue makes man more self-sufficient.
3: Okay. Mm.
2: Uh, but but in order, okay, to become virtuous, he's, I, I kind of liken it like to a cell phone, right? Like a cell phone is one that is able to hold its charge, okay. But it's only by plugging it in, okay, that you get that charge, and it's only mm-hmm. through relationship that you get that charge. But then if you get that charge, the cell phone can thrive disconnected, okay. And 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 it's the only person who can really thrive even apart from community is the person who's been formed in it, okay. And then he constantly needs to plug it back in, right. okay. Uh, but, but unlike the person, and, and then even going out to people that you're not friends with, people that are challenging, okay, uh, there's always a temptation to kind of lose your integrity if you're surrounded by people who don't share those values and, and aren't living lives of integrity. But if you can hold your charge, okay, even in those kinds of, of communities, as our Lord went out and he went, you know, he ate and drank with... Uh, he he not like in the places of prostitution, but he sure. met with prostitutes and he met with sinners and all, all these different kinds of ways, in ways that scandalized the Pharisees, right? But he was able to kind of hold his charge because he's God, right? Right. right, uh, right. But but even you know, the apostles were able to go out, you know, from the, you know the, the, into the four corners of the world, you know, into these 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 highly hostile environments and preserve their charge and their integrity. Uh, not because they pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps, right. okay, but because they were formed in a community, you know. And then they had a band of brothers, you know, because they didn't go out. And that's why our Lord sent them out two by two, you know, because you do need that other help. You need to help me in order to thrive. Man's not made to live alone. But having done that, then you also develop that virtue on your own so that you are able to make decisions. Okay. On your own. I mean, that's what even parents try to do. I mean, you know, you're a successful parent when your kid doesn't have to like turn to you to make every decision for them. Right. Right, right. And they step into a degree of self-sufficiency but as a self-sufficiency that is rooted in parents that form them and is preserved by having friends and relationships and and all of those relationships you know obviously you know and and then like you said even your own self-sufficiency is for others you know right. all the virtues make you a better friend and citizen and all of the vices make you a worse friend and a worse citizen you know you talk about even the, the giving money on a grand scale is the magnificent man and then the vain man gives uh, i mean I'm sorry Uh, the vulgar man gives Mm. money on a grand scale but what's different is the vulgar man is kind of like the Gatsby you know he gives money but for the sake of enlarging his own ego it doesn't Mm. serve anyone else whereas a magnificent man gives generously for the sake of the common good you know he'll build shrines or endow performing arts complex so that people can be cultured uh, you know, he'll, he'll build churches that people can be you know, edified by for centuries so his own excellence and virtue can live on and influence other generations. Yeah, so even that virtue is always for the sake of the other. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So you, me- <coughs> We've been talking about how... Yeah friendship and how having a helpmate, whether that's a yeah, friend yeah, or yeah. your spouse, yeah. uh, enables you to <clears throat> to grow in virtue. I heard this homily by the newly ordained Father Andrew Clark, oh, yeah, sure. and he talked about how in the Old Testament there's a word, I think it's Azor, hmm. and it's used um, 16 different times, 21 different times. Twice it was hmm. it's used to refer to Eve as the helpmate to Adam. Hmm. I think three times hmm. it's used, or let me see, three times in... Um, Yeah, three times in describing someone helping someone else up physically, they fall down. I think it's described when Christ falls uh, with the cross, Simon helping him up. The rest of the times, which I think is 16, if that math adds up, uh, it's mentioned as uh, Israel's, as God is their help in war. And so primarily it's described, Azor is described as a word. To help in war, which is fascinating, that it also mm-hmm. uh, ties into helpmate. Mm-hmm. So as the wife is being someone that you should trust mm-hmm. to help you in war, mm-hmm. and I think that <clears throat> interestingly ties into uh, something that uh, a video I was watching the other mm-hmm. day that Jordan Peterson was talking mm-hmm. about: how your spouse should be someone mm-hmm. who can fight well, mm-hmm. because if you're you're going to fight. So if you're fighting poorly, Mm -hmm. then things are going to devolve and Mm -hmm. things are going to get much harder. Whereas if you can both fight well, you can both present your opinion and you can both work towards the truth, Mm -hmm. you're able to problem solve much more efficiently and it's someone that you respect because they don't just give up at the first moment of confrontation and it's someone that you can trust to go fight on your behalf. If your reputation is being damaged or something like that, you want someone, and I think that's, to me, that's really an interesting analogy to how how God is the helpmate, but also how you are called to be towards your friends or towards your spouse is actually a, a helper in times of war. Yeah,
2: I think that's fascinating. What, some thoughts on that. It's interesting. What is the mother in Scripture with like the seven sons and 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 she, in Maccabees? In Maccabees, you know, yeah. she allows and almost encourages them all, right? Yeah, to become you know, martyrs. To kind of lay down yeah. their lives. Right. I mean, we see that going on there. Uh, but, but I guess, what, what does it have to do with war or whatever, but obviously we fight, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people can be good when there's no challenges, right? And so, so fortitude, Even we haven't spoken about that a lot, allows us to be faithful to the good, okay, uh, amidst really trying difficulties, okay, and in and, 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 and evils, and it makes us have to even endure some evils that we can't even conquer, but, but the, it might discourage our will and we have to kind of you know, preserve our good will and not kind of shrink from doing good even when we're physically overcome, okay? Uh, and, and so it's, it's in trial that our justice is tested, okay? Our, and, and justice is the virtue primarily that makes us good. And so, why does the reference the battle? Well, it's 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 in those trying moments that your goodwill is put to the test, you mm-hmm. know. And so, someone who's faithful in battle is a sign of someone whose goodness is such that it's good even in the most arduous circumstances, you know. And that's why even like friendship, Aristotle mentions you, know, you haven't even fully tested your friendship until you've eaten salt together, you know. You've suffered together, you know. Your your friend. You know, uh, it isn't, you know, has, is down on his luck. You know, you, that's when you know you have a real friend who doesn't just abandon you because they're not just your friend because they're trying to mooch off of you. <laughs> they're not just your friend <laughs> sure. because of whatever. Yeah. And so it, it is in trial often uh, that the refiner's fire, that the purity of, of someone is revealed. And so someone, a helpmate, a husband, a spouse who will go to battle means it's someone who's going to be faithful to living a good life even in the midst of trial. And that's the the kind of person you want to be because that's that's the best kind of person there is. It's someone whose goodness is is someone's good in season, out of season. When it's easy, when it's difficult.
1: You know? Yeah, and it's so fitting that the church is is called militant now. Yeah, uh, yeah. we uh, that's, are, that's, and, that's, and then spiritual warfare. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah it's real. Like that's yeah.
2: that's the stage of life we're in. I mean, right. and and, and it, it is a valley of tears in some really important, like, significant ways yeah there are some consolations that God gives us along the way, of which course. is good. one of my, uh, this uh, i don't I don't have like a lot of aphorisms that I've come up with on my own, <laughs> but this one I came up with my um, on my own God gives us enough um crosses to keep us growing and enough blessings to keep us going. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and I feel like that, that the Lord often works that way, right? like sure. so so those crosses help sharpen us, right and and then yeah. this militant life, like we we actually it's a pure it's a has a purifying way of of kind of helping us to not to let go of anything that is not, uh, that might separate us from God. And, and and to detach to things, not because they're bad, but, but so we have the freedom to attach to what's what's highest. And then we attach to things only as God determines, you know. Right. Uh, but then he does you know, allow us also to, to he, he helps us, you know, and he, he throws us a bone and he gives us <laughs> consolations, right? The, 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 so we're not discouraged. And, and I think the key to life is is uh, benefiting from the unique at any stage of your life, the unique trials that are peculiar to that stage and enjoying the blessings that are right. peculiar to that stage. And you're a single guy, enjoy the freedom of <laughs> living with guys and, and playing, having your own foosball table and having the freedom to actually sometimes pray more and to do things that you don't have when you're working a job and you have all your kids and whatever. You have more time for the sacraments, more time for prayer, more time for uh, a lot of things that, that you don't have time for when you're married with kids and have all those responsibilities, you know? Right. And, but, and, 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 but those are the crosses that sharpen you as a married man, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and the cross would be you lose your freedom, but, but also, you know, the, 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 the consolation is, yeah, 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 but you don't have to like win over, you don't, you don't care what you look like in front of the opposite sex, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you you have your spouse, you know where you're gonna sleep tomorrow and the next night and the next day. And, and the difficulty in the cross of like being a single person is not knowing. You know right. what my life holds, and that's a huge cross. You know, I I have a hard time relating to it. I put myself back there, and so you know, like you, being able to be profit from each the crosses we have in each stage, being able to you know benefit from the blessings that are peculiar to that stage, is, is a huge part of life. You know?
3: yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, and I also think it's it's one thing that I have um, been able to reflect on ever since I started dating my now wife. Yeah. Um, just that the prospect of marriage, and now also being in marriage, and then having so many like I mean throughout Christendom having domestic church and just kind of like the class and Mm -hmm. and then just learning about kind of the um, I mean just how how many opportunities you're able to uh, Mm -hmm. get to grow in virtue in marriage Um, and it's just it's it's an amazing (laughs) thing because it's like just thinking about how many saints we have that are spouses Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't I mean especially ones that are known Mm -hmm. it's not it's not many, yeah. But but I I can yeah. uh, I, I don't know yeah. I would put almost <laughs> I would put so much money on yeah. on yeah. the fact that there are so many <laughs> I, I would unknown married couples and they don't that have are a, just, they, they just so have they don't have a virtuous. ton
2: of people to lobby their cause but but that are and you know, we do have one today right so uh, uh, Saint, uh, the, the the feast of the day would be uh, hmm. Saint uh. uh, uh jane francis de chantal oh sure yeah, so yeah, she yeah. was married and, and then she lived a life as a religious too oh wow. anyway but, okay. but she was yeah anyway so became she, a saint she, she, after she, I, her husband yeah. died. yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but but they had a happy marriage there's like some great stories you know like she had, uh you know she would dress modestly whatever sure. when her husband was away because like because the one i want to please isn't around you know and sure, like, sure. they had this great rapport you know before he died and and um anyway but but yeah, I, I, I I'm gonna put money on that with you. We can go in, you know, <laughs> on, on that bet, because yeah, and I'm t- talking to a friend of mine. I'm friends with uh, Archbishop Charles Chaput, and and he celebrated oh, my nuptial mass and baptized my daughter, and as is, is a friend and yeah. and he formed us for for marriage and and uh, and 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 I think he shared that a lot. You know, that that. Even, you know, some of the things even his priests would get away with, you know, married couples would never get away with, you know, like having right. your own day off, you know, sure. like when do you get a day off? I mean, <laughs> no, granted, I think priests do need a day sure. to, to sure, sure, sure. refresh and restore, but you still yeah. stay a priest on that day, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 a mother, like, like what calls us out of ourselves is sacrificing. And, and like, when can you take a day off from being a mom to your newborn? I mean, like right. you were always called to step out of yourself in marriage constantly. And that's actually why, actually, for priests, you know, all the reforming bishops, they make them live with other men, mm. okay, in mm. community, uh, because man isn't made to be alone. And even right. Benedict realized, like, the worst, the worst monks are the ones that live on their own, with this exception, only the people who have been perfected in community, and a mastered community life could would he allow to kind of live as as kind of isolated you know because sure. because then they can stay in community when they're not right. with community and it's not an egocentric thing you know right. you're in constant community with God and with the whole the whole church sure. you know? but but man is made to live alone uh, it's not made to live alone you're made to live in community because that's right. what sharpens you and the same is true for priests you know? and that's why it's blessed right. when priests are able to live in small communities in rectories because you have that accountability you know. And that accountability is necessary for all of our thrive.
0: Right. So I guess on kind of a closing note, um, there's a book uh, that talks about the four cardinal virtues by Joseph Pieper. that's pretty well known. And Father Gregory Pine also has a book recently out on prudence. Are there any other books that um, Mm -hmm. really inspired you or that you felt like Mm -hmm really changed the way that you looked at either the cardinal virtues or the theological virtues, or maybe just mm-hmm. spiritual reading in general that sure. you think are applicable and important to read.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I do think actually people uh, both uh, you know, I teach classes for actually religious sisters and I've, I've taught classes to my students, the cardinal virtues. But I actually taught a few times actually classes on the theological virtues to, for the Magdal Apostolate It's a, um, uh, uh, kind of in arm of the Catholic culture that gives a liberal education to women's religious communities that wouldn't otherwise have the ability mm-hmm. to receive ongoing education. And so, uh, and Pieper does a great job of this, is cardinal virtues and its theological virtues. And the reason I like that and, and, and would highly recommend it is because it, it, you know, Aquinas' treatise on the, the virtues is just enormous. His treatise on Just Alone is like hundreds of pages. you know. And so uh, you know, it's just so overwhelming. And he does a great job of distilling without dumbing down. And, and you get an exposure to the width and breadth uh, if you read those two works. Mm. Uh, but yeah, there's there's some other ones that have come out recently. Uh, d- some Dominicans have written some great works on, 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 on prudence, the one you refer to. Uh, and, and, uh, but, but I guess those, those works and then, and then going actually back to St. Thomas. And that's actually one thing I even with my carnal virtues, cause I want to do even more and more is, you know, is, is to try to kind of get back. Cause, cause you see in his thought, it, it gives you order, man is made to order and there's such a clear order and, and to be able to see where everything fits, uh, and to be, to be able to spend time with that. So I, I think actually spending time with people is just giving the framework but then as a means to kind of actually get back to St. Thomas, you know, and get back to some of those, those original sources, uh, you know, and, uh, other works kind of inspire. I actually, I read a lot of the lives of the saints, you Mm -hmm. know, and Mm -hmm. actually the lives of the saints I think is, is, um, Something that just shows you the variety of what holiness looks like. And so it gives you, for that history, it gives you all of these different particulars of people. And you see how living a life of holiness, you see what it looks like. And so even as a surprising thing, too, I think that's where a liberal education is useful, right? Because we talk about the importance of knowing particulars, too. And that's what you get in history. That's what you get in literature. Uh, you know, if you read Jane Austen, you know, you guys are going to have Dr. Sullivan on, did you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And and uh, I, I think she was very well-schooled in Aristotle. And 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 I think you see a lot of the characters in her novels are the character, they're like personifications of the different character types. You know, you have mm. a guy who is the magnificent man. You have a guy who is the obsequious man, you know. Uh, you know, Mr. Collins in, in Pride and Prejudice, <laughs> yeah. you know, he just can't give pain, he's all pleasure, and, and often is involved in flattery, which is related to obsequiousness, and, and you see the magnificence of Darcy, and you see all, you know, and, and, and she actually is, is really well formed, and then you get to see what virtue looks like in the yeah, particular, right. and, and, and then, you note know, with self-knowledge, trying to incorporate some of that. So as far as like expanding moral knowledge, actually, uh, I, I, would, I would encourage you know, even for liberal learning to kind of read particulars of history and characters and, and literature and novels. Because that gives you a kind of wider experiential wisdom as you almost profit from their mistakes and ways in which they hit the mark or yep. failed to hit the mark. And right. so that would be something I, I actually would encourage. Even like when I went to, the, actually the old school Jesuit tradition is, is good with this even before I did a 30 day silent retreat. They encourage us because you do a lot of imagination, putting yourself in different places in Scripture and stuff and, and, and incidents from the life of Christ. But you need to kind of feed your imagination, you know, that, that will help you with your prayer life. And and, and, and that is, uh, I think, a huge role, and uh, maybe an underrated role in, in doing philosophy because philosophy is never divorced from reality. It's never divorced from particulars. And so to kind of integrate that is something I would recommend. Uh, there's so many other things and books and whatever to recommend, but but that, that would be something to throw out there.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it to me it, it seems like whenever you mm-hmm. whenever you think about virtue mm-hmm. part of it is getting that rational understanding mm-hmm. kind of like textbook knowledge of yeah. what it is and applying yeah. it to things yeah. you've already experienced or yeah. situations that you you've experienced in the past mm-hmm. and then you particularly when you read Thomas it just outlines all of these different things and you're like oh I I didn't think about anger as having these two forms I just I'm thinking of it kind of narrow mindedly so it opens your mind but then also balancing what what Christ instructs us to do and to approach things as a child and to have that imagination and almost simplicity of life being able to straddle both of those as it were and You know, approach a situation and having the knowledge of all of the different factors that go into making the prudential decision, Mm -hmm. and yet also Mm -hmm. seeing it in this simplistic way and almost focusing on God Mm -hmm. foremost, Mm -hmm. and that the the other details may factor in, Mm -hmm. but in a sense, you almost rise above those to this pure... Pursuit of virtue, yeah. which uh, is always interesting, and I think that's mm. kind of the the crux of Catholicism yeah. is finding that balance, finding that order, yeah. placing that yeah. order in your lives.
2: I love that. You know, the purity is is to see God, right? The, and 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 that's actually why some people theorize Aquinas was called the angelic doctor it was because of that purity and mm. focus on God, actually, which is is almost angelic. Mm. And and it's then you know, what's cool is that you focus on God, then you get the whole kit and caboodle, right? Like. Yeah. like like, you seek first the kingdom of God and everything is added unto you, right? And so you put God first and and, and you, you try not to get from your spouse, for instance, like what God can only give you. If you're trying to get from your spouse, she's going to let you down. He's going to let you down, okay? Because they can't give you all of what you need. But if you go to God and receive that from Him, then you go to your spouse looking to serve, okay? Right. And, and you become a better spouse, okay? If you, you get fundamentally what you need from God, then... You're, you're you're able to enjoy everything in the right way. You're able to enjoy alcohol in the right way, coffee in the right way, in the right ordered way, and, and and uh, and, and you're, you're kind of with that purity of focus. It allows everything you do, okay, to, to kind of fall into line. Yeah. You know, and and uh, I, so I really like that.
3: Yeah, no, sure. Yeah. thanks for coming on Dr. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's our been a pleasure yeah. Yeah. great time guys yeah, yeah.
2: great great guy. I could obviously talk all day <laughs> hey that's okay About Maybe no, these things, you know? we'll do another episode just on coffee coffee as it relates to virtue that would, that would be fun yeah, but it, oh, a great time thanks for we'll having me we'll do a tasting.
0: Yeah. yeah thanks for coming on yeah. Yeah. this is doing virtue The right. Catholic podcast where virtue okay. is what we do cheers
2: cheers cheers alright